Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. From his point of view, first his wife dies, now his son, his firstborn from her, and he's left with the younger son that he named son of the right hand. Now the Midianites had sold Joseph to Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Just when you think this story could not get any lower, you have this screeching turn. It came to pass, chapter 38, at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Herah. And when Joseph, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, he married her. Here we begin the story, however brief, of one chapter of Judah and Tamar. Now, Genesis 49, later, Jacob's last words to his sons is a blessing to each son. And he says of Judah, 49 verse 8, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people." Finding his donkey to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine. Again, a reference of Jesus, John 15. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. When you read of Judah, it doesn't seem that he himself, in himself, fulfills that blessing. After all, with Tamar, his two sons that marry her, It says in the text that their wickedness displeased God, so God put them to death. It didn't say people put them to death. It says that God did. And so he's left with one more son, Shelah. And so he promises Tamar, the widow, that she can have him later to continue the line. This was their way to continue the line. The brother-in-law would take in as some kind of kinsman redeemer the widow and would continue the deceased brother's line through her. But Onan knew that their heir would not be his. You can read the text in Genesis 38 for all of the sordid details. But in the end, Judah says to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow in your father's house till my son Shelah is grown. For he said to himself, lest he also die like his brothers. Notice how for him... The sin scaled, the sin that they did to his father, the grief that they put on him in lying about his brother's death and being instrumental in taking his brother away from his father. And not only that, the mother who perished, there was no seeming honor to her. There was no mention of any honor. In fact, they bury her on the way to Bethlehem. 
and she just sort of gets discarded, left there. So Judah says to Tamar to stay a widow, to live like a widow. She won't have any chance. She's trusting in his promise because he's trying to save his last child's life. This is not unlike his father's situation now with Benjamin. Now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep bearers. And it goes on to say that, long story short, he's going to go up to Timnah, and somehow Tamar knows what he's going to do. She dresses up like a prostitute and sits along the road. Somehow she knows this family line pretty well. In fact, so well that her two deceased husbands, there was this line of perversion. And it was not corrected, so she took matters into her own hands. It was not corrected by the paternal leadership, so she sought to seize her own blessing, her own opportunity to have an inheritance through a son. She requires Judah to give her his signet and cord and his staff and a young goat. And that's interesting, a young goat. There's something in common with this story of the young goat that died to hide up the brother's sin and to feign their brother's death. She asks for a young goat. This woman knows what's going on in this family. After the fact, Judah sends the young goat, and he sends it, of course, by his friend, the Adulamite, not himself, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, where is the harlot who was openly by the roadside? (laughs) Openly. And they said, there was no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of the place said there was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, let her keep them for herself, lest we be shamed. We? (laughs) For I sent this young goat, and you have not found her. Well, that's ridiculous. How is it that the servant takes on the shame, or his friend who was doing an act of service takes on his shame? He made a choice, and you have not found her. There's some implied blame there. And it came to pass about three months later that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. Isn't that the way? Just assume the worst. So Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. Now, for starters, there was no let her be burned. In the law later, it's stoning. But what's interesting about that, even with Jesus, When men did the same thing to a woman in Jesus' day, he said, let he, without sin, be first to cast a stone. In other words, Jesus knew what's up to. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law saying, she's being ripped out, brought out, pregnant with child, and she knows they're going to put her to death. It's some kind of mob rule. This man who shut her up for all those years By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. So she knew what was up. She knew what would happen. She kept those for security to save her own life. And she said, please determine whose these are, the signet and cord and staff. 
So Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Shelah my son, and he never knew her again. Jesus picks up where our sorrow and sin leave off. We might even die physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, our future, our hopes, our dreams, if not for the Lord, if he did not step in. And where do we read later of Bethlehem? Here Jesus redeems the generations, now reading from the First Nations version, Matthew chapter 1. Here is a record of the ancestry of Creator Sets Free, known as Jesus, the Chosen One, a descendant of much-loved one, David, and a father of many nations, Abraham. From father of many nations, Abraham, to much-loved one, David, his ancestors were, father of many nations, Abraham, he made us laugh, Isaac, heal grabber, Jacob, give him praise, Judah, and his brothers, who remain unnamed. <laughs> he breaks through Perez and his brother First Light, Zerah, whose mother was fruit of palm tree, Tamar, who made the lineage for Boaz, who would be the kinsman redeemer of whose mother was beautiful friend, Ruth, original man, Jesse, who was father of who? The great chief, much loved one, David. Jesus picks up where our sin or sorrow leaves off, where we are bereft of a future hope within our grasp. We are close and yet so far, and those who remain might have the luxury, indeed the time and energy, even the privilege or resources or authority given to them by God or society to make great schemes to sort of avoid the reality that something was dropped. Even then, on the way to Bethlehem, it's not a road of roses. It's not a parade. It's not a celebration. It's not a birth party. It's not a sip and see party. It's not a baby shower by any means. Now reading from Luke 2, also First Nations Version. When the time drew close for bitter tears, Mary, to have her child, the government of the people of Iron, Romans, ordered that the people be numbered and put on government rolls. This happened during the time that powerful protector Quirinius was the governor of Bright Sun, Syria. All the tribal members were required to travel to their own ancestral village to register. So here we have Joseph and Mary required by another country, another government, not their own, not of religious distinction, not of the law, not of what the Lord had outlined, and certainly not in line with preserving the covenant promise made to Abraham that we talked about in the previous two episodes of the descendants outnumbering the stars of the sky, so should all his family bless the nations. This is incredible promise that God gave when he said to Abraham, I am exceedingly great. And what's amazing about that is that God shared his greatness. Whereas in these stories, in these these previous two episodes, plus this one that we're reading about, People are arguing over greatness as though it's in limited supply, and maybe that's because it's not for us to grasp. Maybe it's not for our supply. And here we have Mary and Joseph 
bearing the Son of God, the begotten Son of Man and Son of God, Jesus, bearing the promised one who would redeem the generations through whom God would be faithful to all the generations and not forsake his inheritance, not abandon us. Luke 2, verse 19, bitter tears, Mary kept these things hidden in her heart and wondered what all this would mean. The shepherds returned to their field, giving thanks to the great spirit for the wonders they had seen and heard. This is the moment where the angels appeared, and what did they announce? Suddenly, a great light from above was shining all around them. A spirit messenger from Creator appeared to them. They shook with fear and trembled as a messenger said to them, Do not fear, I bring you the good story that will be told to all nations. Today in the village of much-loved one, David, an honored chief has been born who will set his people free. He is the chosen one. Verse 13, suddenly next to the messenger, a great number of spirit warriors from the spirit world above appeared giving thanks to creator saying, all honor to the one above us all and let peace and goodwill follow all who walk upon the earth. All honor to the one above us all. In other versions, it describes us as peace and goodwill toward all people upon whom the favor of God rests. The angels could have spoken any word, and this was how they chose, how they were sent to message, to herald, to announce the advent of Jesus, that he would bring peace and goodwill, and he would be the one to whom we would be able to tell all the nations and tell each other as the one above us all. Sent by a God who is exceedingly great, who made a promise of a gospel heritage, who invites all of us to that gospel heritage. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. And in Acts, it describes us as we shall be saved, us and our household, that we have influence, not because of greatness that we contend or argue for, not because of any memorial in our name, not because of any schemes and devices. We can be righteous where there was once perversion. We can be free where there was once slavery. We can be saved where there was once murder. The Lord is with and for us. Therefore, we prosper, not the other way around. God picks up through Jesus, and saves us where our sorrow and sins leave off. What is it that you need the Lord to redeem for you today? What is it in the generations, in your world of work, in your ministry or church, in your communities? What is it that you need the Lord to pick off? Remember, Jesus said that no one will snatch us from his hand, not even Satan, not even the schemes of man. Though it may seem that way in this life, he will hold and has promised to hold that which is ours. And on that day, on that day when the Lord returns, the one who is greater than us all, because he's sent from a God who is exceedingly great, on that day, our joy will not be taken from us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you redeem the generations, that you're faithful to the generations. Thank you, God, that you will not forsake your inheritance, that you came to make us a forever family to pick up where our sin or sorrows leave off. We ask that you redeem that for us today, even this moment in small ways and big ways. And when you come back, that you hold and entrust 
what we have lost, that you will take care of it, of that person, of that dream, of that hope in our hearts, and that we can love and esteem you as exceedingly great, more than any triumph that we could gain in this life, that we will love you best and that you'll teach us how to love you best and from that love, love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.